Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Gun and Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at gunageeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in three, two, one. On this week's episode, Venom defies expectations. What's hot with sports cards? And just how important is the New York Comic Con? All this and more as we once again delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the Pop Culture Cosmos. And we're back with another episode of the Pop Culture Cosmos Show. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our expanding programming, which includes a lot of podcasts, radio shows, and so much more. But it wouldn't be a Pop Culture Cosmos without my good friend, he is the Super Mario of Humanica Media. you got to check out everything that's going on today at HumanicaMedia.com, Humanica Media on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and so much more. It is my good friend. Watch out, Bowser. Here he comes. It is Josh Peterson. What's going on, man? It's the Mario. <laughs> I got a lot of compliments on this shirt, actually. This is my, my like... Not my favorite wardrobe decision, but everyone else who sees it, it's their favorite wardrobe decision. So I, I'm a people pleaser, you know. I just I put the shirt on because I enjoy the compliments. People pleaser, people pleaser. That you are, that you are, my friend. But it is going to be a great show we have for you today. We've got Tyler Baker from the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast. He's going to share his thoughts on Week Five in the NFL. Also as well, we have Vince Sotulo from That Sports Card Show. He's going to talk about some of the great cards that you're going to look out there for in other sports outside of baseball. So we're going to talk about that and so much more. And then Josh and I are also going to talk about an important article that he wanted to talk about that has really affected him. And he's going to share his thoughts on that coming up later in the program. But first... A lot of things to talk about in pop culture up front, so we're going to basically just try to jam it here in the first part of the show. And it all starts off with Venom, my friend. Despite the tepid and poor reviews that are out there from critics, despite Venom not being an R-rated film, not really touching that much on the Spider-Man universe, and also not being part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, it actually defied expectations and looks like it may even get close to $80 million here in the U.S. in its opening weekend, and also over $200 million worldwide, making it a big success for Sony. It is the largest opening ever domestically here in the U.S. for a movie in October. Your thoughts on why that is, how that happened for such a movie that had such bad reviews going into the weekend? 
I'm actually kind of excited about this because this proves my point that the average moviegoer should have more say over what is and isn't things that people should watch in the movie theaters than the critics do. The critics, they they pan this movie pretty bad, but it's turning out that the people who, you know, like, I guess we're critics, but like, you know, the, the average Joe, the person wants to take their kid to go see a movie, just eat some popcorn and sit back and enjoy the day. They're really enjoying this movie. So th- this is a very interesting turn of events. I'm still not too excited to watch it. I will watch it eventually, but just from like the, the people who aren't like super judgmental from what they've been telling me about it, they actually really like it. So I don't know what to think, man. Perhaps we're both wrong on this one. Perhaps we are. And that is actually a good thing if that's the case. I'm actually going to go ahead now. There's a lot of reception for it and there's a lot of people going to see it and it actually exceeded expectations. I now have to go ahead and check it out myself at some point in time. I'm with you on that one. I'm kind of disappointed. I like you had indicated over the past few months that it was leaning towards a PG-13 instead of an R-rated film. And I know that's been voiced by a lot of people that it could have been even better if that was the case. But still, it looks like with a lot of people, it was going to be a movie that they were targeting this holiday season. And even despite the trailers, which to a lot of people were making fun of, which were kind of disappointing to a lot of people, including us here on the show, it's good to see that Venom overcame that. And I think people at this point in time just wanted to see a big movie event and Venom sure fits the bill. It also had the added benefit of not actually being connected to a greater mythology. It kind of retconned Venom's actual origins and kind of made up its own thing. And that sounds cool to me because you don't have to have Venom. It was all Remember all the talk, can Venom exist without Spider-Man, blah, 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 blah. You had all that talk, and that that's kind of why a lot of people had reservations going into this movie, but it sounds like Venom without Spider-Man is just kind of allowed to be Venom, the anti-hero that he is. So let me ask you this. It does still have ties within the Spider-Verse, but they're kind of loose, but there is still a connection with other characters within the Spider-Verse realm. Yeah, yeah, Carnage, right? That's what we're talking about. The after credit scene, sorry, spoiler alert. You knew they were going to do that, though. They had to. Like, you can't have a movie with symbiotes and not have Carnage. But here's the thing, too. If they're going to do a sequel with Venom taking on Carnage, you can't have Carnage in a PG-13 movie because he is the most violent Marvel villain in existence. Like, he is... There's just... That's why they call him Carnage. He he lives up to his name, and you can't have that. And it also kind of sucks because... I want to see Spider-Man fight Carnage. I don't want to see Venom fight Carnage. Let's hope it leads towards Spider-Man getting involved with maybe both those characters. But your thoughts finally on exactly why it exceeded expectations. And so many people actually enjoyed the movie. Word of mouth is going pretty good. Not great, but pretty good. And that's enough to keep this momentum going. The second week's going to tell exactly where this movie will fall. A Star is Born, which we also talked about on Friday, which you want to see and I want to kind of see as well. That didn't do so bad either at $42 million domestically. I believe in the long haul, it could still make up for the difference. But that all depends if Venom is going to have a continued good word of mouth or a bad word of mouth going forward. I think that more people actually 
wanted Venom to be good than people who didn't. So they went to go see it, kind of show it some part. I, th- I think it has like Deadpool syndrome, the anti-hero, and it's he's funny and violent. It It is Deadpool light, pretty much. But from the people that I talked to and things I've read, it sounds like a lot of people are really attracted to the idea of the duality with Eddie Brock and Venom. How you have one side saying you can do anything you want to. And the other side is like he's trying to hold back that primal nature. And then in the end, he the whole movie, he's just trying to come to terms with himself. He's not trying to like be a good guy. He's not trying to be a bad guy. He's just trying to come to terms with who he is. And I think a lot of people can relate to that. And that's why Venom is such a, I don't want to say a endearing character, but he is, he's kind of all of us in a way, if that makes sense. At least some parts of it, and not the actual alien taking over your body issue. That that kind of like maybe How that's not man. Are you are you assuming my symbiote? Well, hold on. Let me turn this to black, and maybe that will change. But <laughs> anyways, I want to ask you this: We've talked about how well it's done so far. Your thoughts on Venom long term? Do you still see it performing admirably, or do you see it? actually faltering because i still think in the second week there is going to be a big drop as all these comic book movies have in the second week whether or not it will have the legs we're going to have to wait and see but your thoughts on how venom is shaping up and do you think they made enough this weekend to go ahead and continue this part of the spider-verse and i'm using that very loosely because they actually haven't included spider-man to this point well i think with venom being quote-unquote successful if it ends up doing better than than Sony predicted, or if it ends up, I guess at this point, just not doing what the Amazing Spider-Man movies did would be kind of a, a win for them. But I think at that point, Marvel and Sony are eventually going to have to sit down and have that conversation of like, hey, we can't have Spider-Man not be able to dip into that pool of Spider-Man villains. And you guys can't have this whole Spider-Man universe using our characters and not allow us to have spider-man in there so i think there's going to be a conversation where they're going to eventually merge this has been an interesting experiment (laughs) it honestly has because sony's kind of bombed their last like few spider-man properties and actually into the spider-verse looks good i'm going to say good i'm not going to say great but it looks good so who knows maybe they're they're on the right track i just don't want to see a whole like spider-verse without spider-man you know i think people would get tired of it real fast and on the show we have discussed before the sinister six movie Craven a Hunter, Silver Sable, and a whole nine yards having their own movies. This might give impetus to that for Sony, but you're right. It should all tie into Spider-Man, but not do it at a point where people will get bored and tired of these movies before it does so. I think Tom Holland's Spider-Man needs to be a integral part of this sooner rather than later. And maybe in his own movie that's coming out after Infinity War Part Two or whatever it's going to be called, next year that we'll probably get more signs and and hopefully venom will be mixed in there maybe a little bit maybe like you said carnage as well so i'm hoping at some point in time they'll go ahead and combine this to make it a true spider-verse so that we can get everyone involved and everyone to appreciate more what's going on with venom carnage and of course spider-man in this whole universe What are your thoughts out there on Venom? We'd love to hear your thoughts. Did you go and check it out this weekend? Are you surprised that it not only beat expectations, but it beat it soundly and actually became a record for the domestic box office in the month of October? 
Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanity Media, and Game Source on Facebook and Twitter as well. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Looking for an edge? The next time you take on your favorite video game? Then check out Vitabrace High Performance Gamer Wristbands. Packed with the power of fruit seed oil, Vitabrace is clinically proven to help improve performance, giving you a better gaming experience. Head to MiracleFruitOil.com and use the promo code MEDIA10 to get $10 off your Vitabrace purchase. Whether you're looking to beat the time on your latest speedrun or are fighting your way to the top on your favorite multiplayer or battle royale, Vitabrace can help you reach your gaming goals. Buy Vitabrace today at MiracleFruitOil.com. That's MiracleFruitOil.com. Vitabrace. Win with it. Josh, did you get a chance to check out everything that was going on at the New York Comic Con? The reason why I bring this up is because in the past couple of years, more and more momentum as far as a lot of comic books, sci-fi, pop culture, movies, televisions, they've all seemed to migrate over to this New York Comic Con as it gets bigger and bigger to become a part of it. Your thoughts on exactly what went on with New York Comic Con, some of the interesting things that went out. We'll discuss that over the course of our conversation here, but is the New York Comic Con becoming a big-time player in the realm of pop culture? Yeah, I think so, because if you notice, a lot of the big comic book events take place on the West Coast, so the the East Coast hasn't really gotten their hands into that cookie jar. or Well, they have, but not to the extent that, like, you know, San Diego Comic Con, Los Angeles Comic Con, uh, I would even go as far as to argue Long Beach Comic Con because they have actually had some pretty big names there the last few years. But it's cool to see just how widespread pop culture has become, though. Like New York, I love the idea that they're now releasing trailers and video game stuff. And like I saw, I've been following Score Enix on Facebook and Instagram. And I see they've got huge booths set up where you can go and you can play Kingdom Hearts. Like it used to just be comic books, but now like comic books, movies, music, costumes stuff like that that's all merging together into a a big culture it's like all these subcultures are coming together into this one mega culture and it's really cool to see that happening and i'm all for it i'm i'm on board 100 percent, and i love to see that production companies and developers like they have ways of they don't just have one target thing where they got to release something they have multiple chances through the year to keep the hype level going for the things that they're working on and i really like that some of the interesting things that were there were really high profile, including Hellboy making an appearance there, although unfortunately they didn't release the trailer. But Star Trek Discovery did. They released a trailer expounding on the Spock mythos, and you actually got a chance to see Spock and also a lot of what's going on in Season 2, which looks very interesting. Aquaman got an extended five-minute trailer that was released during the New York Comic Con time frame. I know, like you said, a lot of video games were also there. I know Star Wars was there. Marvel talked about going retro for its 80th anniversary there at the New York Comic Con. There's a lot of stuff that's going on. And now, like you said, because it's really the major player now on the East Coast when it comes to pop culture, ahead of even things like Dragon Con and other events like that, in my opinion, I think the New York Comic Con is really becoming a big time player in the pop culture scene. The Walking Dead uh, had a panel there that was very newsworthy. There were a lot of things that were going on that just made it hard to miss. If you're a fan of pop culture, 
sci-fi, comic books, television, film, what have you. They really went ahead and did a lot of great things at the New York Comic Con to bring it to a forefront within the realm of pop culture. And I'm telling you right now, it's just something that we really can't afford to miss each and every year. If you're on the East Coast or anywhere else, you just got to make sure you got to follow it like you do with the San Diego Comic-Con, E3, CES, and all those other big-time shows. It's cool. Kind of like how video games has E3 and PAX. Yeah, like I said, PAX shows, PAX West, PAX East. Those are big shows. Dragon Con, I mentioned. South by Southwest, that's out there. And there's so many other shows right now. The New York Comic Con is now in line with those as a big time event in pop culture. The Aquaman trailer is cool because usually DC saves all their stuff for the San Diego Comic Con. And they put something out this time, which is really cool. I think the movie looks good. I don't know how everyone else feels about it. but I agree with you, my friend. I think it actually looks really cool and I can't wait to see it. Yeah, I'm on board. I, I Hopefully they didn't put all the cool stuff in the trailers, but this could be like the just the right tone, you know, the right amount of comedy and dark DC style mixed together. So I'm pretty excited about that. But I am super excited about Hellboy. Hate that they didn't put out a trailer for us to see because I really do want to see David Harbour in action, kind of see what he, what he looks like, get a little taste of the film because, you know, I'm a huge Hellboy fan. But yeah, man, this is exciting. They also had Sabrina, I think, had a trailer, and that looks... What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think what made it more interesting was not only the trailer, but also what they talked about when it comes to a possible crossover event with Riverdale, which I know gets CW fans really excited. Yeah, you know, I got to go and watch that show. I got to watch a few, maybe try a few episodes of it. I know. I know it's popular. The kids who I teach really like that show, so they, they're always talking about it. So who knows? I, maybe maybe it might be something I could get into. But I'm interested to see this darker side of Sabrina because, you know, I grew up with whatever the comedy version was that used to be on uh, ABC or TGIF. Do you remember that with the Salem with a talking cat and she lived their hands and stuff? So I'm, I'm excited to uh, see this new perspective on Sabrina. So... Who knows, man? Could be interesting. Could be, it reminds me like a, a super dark Hocus Pocus. So we'll, we'll see what, what happens, man. But yeah, that's kind of all uh, I'm looking forward to. I know you're a Star Trek fan, but my bigs are uh, Sabrina, Aquaman, and Hellboy. But there was a lot of it for both you and I, which actually caught both our attentions this weekend, which makes it even more of a realization that the New York Comic Con is something you can't afford to miss. What are your thoughts out there on the New York Comic Con? Did you even know it was occurring this weekend? Is it now on your radar as one of the big events of the year in pop culture? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, Humanica Media, Game Source, and Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Before we head on out to a break, my friend, did you catch the news on Kingdom Hearts? They're about ready to drop a compilation in advance of Kingdom Hearts 3, a compilation is going to be released for $40, which includes nine different renditions of the Kingdom Hearts whole universe. Did you get a chance to check that out? And are you regretting your decision to buy all that stuff earlier so soon? Okay, so I, I still don't get it. Like, I'm I'm not super, like, up to date on the mythology of that. I thought that the one that I had that had the six games, and I thought that was all the Kingdom Hearts games. Am I wrong? 
Apparently you are, my friend, because this has got Kingdom Hearts HD 1.5 and 2.5 Remix, Kingdom Hearts Final Mix, Kingdom Hearts Rechain of Memories, Kingdom Hearts 358 slash 2 Days, Kingdom Hearts 2 Final Mix, Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep Final Mix, Kingdom Hearts Recoded, Kingdom Hearts HD 2.8, Final Chapter Prologue, Kingdom Hearts Dream Drop Distance HD, Kingdom Hearts 0.2 Birth by Sleep, and Kingdom Hearts Back Cover. That's just a lot of Kingdom Hearts right there, I can tell you that. That sounds like maybe six or seven too many Kingdom Hearts games for me. I agree with you. That's way too much for me, but it does get people invested and involved just before Kingdom Hearts 3 drops in January. So take a look out for that if you really want to catch up with what's going on in the Kingdom Hearts realm and all that back library stuff when it comes to Kingdom Hearts. It drops very soon for $40. So check it out and pre-order it today and you might get a chance to go ahead and get involved with the Kingdom Hearts world. Before we head to the break, I just want to add one more thing. We had talked about on one of our recent shows about Telltale ending and you know clearing out and, and laying off all its peoples. Well, there were a couple of reports out there. One which the remaining skeleton crew, which was working on a couple of projects, also being laid off. And then just the other day, it was announced that there is a deal being made as far as the final season for The Walking Dead Telltale game that that would be completed in conjunction with another company. So at least some good news there for owners of that final season who really want to go ahead and finish that whole story out. Skybound looks like it will help finish that at last season of The Walking Dead. I read a little bit about that. There were rumors that that was going to happen because a lot of people still kind of believe in in tall tale and the guy don't think it's going to lead to a resurgence of telltale i think it's going to be more of a um if anything maybe somebody might want to like pick up the properties or or invest in the technology that they use to create these games so that, that that's cool that's cool in itself i like that fans are going to get what they paid for you know you don't have to uh worry about hey i paid for the season pass of this game and i'm not going to get to finish playing it it's just sad that the employees are all out because i know that they actually let go the the last like what 10 or 12 employees they had yeah whatever projects they were working on i believe was for minecraft for netflix and whatnot they had been relieved of their duties this past week but it looks like through skybound entertainment that they're going to go ahead and at least finish that last season of The Walking Dead. So that's some good news there for, like you said, people that had purchased that final season of The Walking Dead game so that, you know, at least that we can finish out Telltale's work on a good note. And and hopefully a lot of people will still be able to enjoy it to the fullest. Coming up next, we've got Tyler Baker from the Fantasy Football Patriot Podcast. He's going to go ahead and give some tidbits from this weekend in the NFL Right after that, we've got Vince Attilo from That Sports Card Show giving you some ideas on some sports cards you might be interested in outside of the baseball realm. And then last but not least, Josh and I on the back end will be talking about an article that really hit home with him about an indie rock band, which it deals with a lot of modern issues that are now current hot topics within our culture. We're going to share our thoughts on that at the end of the show. This is the pop culture cosmos 
Rob McCallum Films is back with a vengeance. Power of Grayskull, the definitive history of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, which chronicles the ultimate 80s billion dollar franchise, Masters of the Universe. See exclusive interviews and hear untold stories from the people responsible for creating the world of Eternia, a place full of magic and science, and learn about the craft of creating action figures and animation. Power of Grayskull is just one of our many projects at Rob McCallum Films. And we're back with the show. It is once again, Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here. He is the guru <laughs> of fantasy football. You got to check out everything that he's doing at the Facebook group, Fantasy Football Pedro Podcast, and our weekly shows, which air on the Pop Culture Cosmos channel on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and over 30 more podcast outlets. And of course, you always get snippets right here on the Pop Culture Cosmos show and our Friday show, the PCC Multiverse as well. But, you know, those full episodes, you get more of them. That's right. You get more wisdom. You get more knowledge. You get more things that, that are passed down from fantasy owner to fantasy owner. Like you from get, generation to generation. <laughs> you get more guru. You get more bang for your buck. You get more guru for your dollar when you listen to the full episode that plays on the pop culture cosmos but it is my good friend it is tyler baker what's going on man it was kind of ugly a couple of the uh, high-powered teams a couple of them put up points for you but there was just a lot of week five was like a was just like a, a just a drudging uh, bog <laughs> of fantasy, um, even though we did see another overtime game this week. But a lot of overtime games this season, it seems like a little bit more than we've seen in years past. Well, this leads me to my first question to ask you, and mm -hmm. this does affect fantasy football owners because it leaves them kind of scratching their heads on where to turn to next for players that will actually produce points. I know we make a lot about how the defenses are handcuffed in the NFL. I know we talk a lot about the replays and the tackling and the, and where do you tackle? What can you tackle? Mm -hmm. That it all favors the quarterback and it, and it always favors the offensive side of things. Mm -hmm. But it's times like these and it's weekends like these that make you think maybe they're not doing enough because defenses <laughs> are still finding a way to go ahead and prosper in the NFL. Things always seem to even out. I know Andy Dalton has been really hot this year. He kind of came back down to earth. And you're seeing that from some of these quarterbacks that, you know, they just get on streaks and then uh, defenses kind of figure out what they like to do. And things always seem to come out in the wash. Tom Brady started out slow. Now he's putting up numbers. I mean, there's certain quarterbacks that, well, let's take Aaron Rodgers, you know, with the knee injury has been putting up very good numbers. And today, you know, he throws for 400 some yards, a bunch of touchdowns. They don't win the game. And he does it with some no-name receivers. Adams ended up playing today, but then he had a couple of rookies who I have so much trouble pronouncing both of their names. But, you know, things things kind of even out. I did get a chance to watch the Kansas City-Jacksonville game today. And I'll tell you, Patrick Mahomes, he might not have put up stellar numbers, but he is playing some of the best football that I've seen. I mean, the kid is absolutely on fire. His arm is 
unbelievable. And he has so many weapons around him. I mean, Travis Kelsey is just a beast. Tyree Kill, no, nobody can do what Tyree Kill does. But um, he is human. He is human because <laughs> today he actually threw to the other team. For the like, first time. For the first time. For the first time. Threw two interceptions, but... He, at this point in time, he is still the premier player in fantasy football, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, absolutely. If you have him in Dynasty, you are absolutely ecstatic right now. I mean, Mahomes last week played a really good Denver defense. And again, not eye-popping numbers, but just his play on the field was really, really good. They host Jacksonville today. And I mean, Jacksonville's defense is a legitimately really good defense. And he was making really smart plays. Yeah, he had a couple of interceptions his first of the year. But you see him spreading the ball around. Sammy Watkins was healthy. That was good. But this offense is just 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 very very potent and their defense it looks like it, they they might be putting some things together earlier in this season they were just terrible at tackling you know just the fundamentals of tackling i didn't see a lot of that today so if they can continue to improve on defense i think that this is probably the best team in the afc so tyler my friend it's been a great episode if you have any questions for tyler you can always email us at popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. But also a great place to go is the Facebook group, Fantasy Football Pater Podcast. Tyler's there with over 200 other fantasy football fans that are out there. You throw out your, your trade requests, you throw out waiver wire requests, lineup changes, anything that suggestions or questions that you might have there. Or you can also direct message him and share your thoughts and ask him for his insight on all those trades and transactions that you might want to keep a secret because there might be prying eyes around. <laughs> Almost like that hollow note song, private eyes are watching. You. Okay. Sorry. Anyways, they see your every move. <laughs> it only out of Pop Culture Cosmos can you get me singing Private Eyes. Yeah. yeah. And hey, if you want to direct message me, that's cool. Nobody will know but me, you, and the NSA. <laughs> no comment. No comment. I'm nowhere being watched right now. I've got, hey, I've got a cam on. I've got a cam on. You know they're watching me. <laughs> but Tyler, it's always great having you on the show, my friend. Always great for you passing on that knowledge as the man behind the Fantasy Football Patriot Podcast. Once again, it is just great being part of the show. Thank you so much, Tyler, for being a part of the show. And of course, right here on the Pop Culture Cosmos. Mmm, nothing's better when grilling your favorite meal than adding some delicious Wheelie Q rubs seasonings, and gluten-free barbecue sauce. Made with the finest ingredients, Wheelie Q products pack a ton of flavor to your meals, whether it's ribs, chicken, steak, hamburgers, fries, or vegetables. To get your hands on some of these tasty Wheelie Q items, head on over to www.wheelieq.com and a portion of all profits made will go into finding a cure for spinal muscular atrophy. Pop Culture Cosmos listeners, act now and get 15% off your order just by entering the promo code POD1, that's P-O-D, and the number one at checkout. 
for the tastiest food on the grill, nothing's better than Wheelie Q items today at wheeliq.com. Welcome back, everyone. Thanks for sticking around with us. This is once again Gerald Glassford from the Pop Culture Cosmos. We're now in week five of the NFL basketball and hockey just starting or coming right around the corner. And as we talk to the various people that I talk to when it comes to their opinions on the sports scene, one of the things I also like to do for collectors, because there's a lot of collectors out there still in regards to basketball, football, and hockey cards, sports cards galore is still a big thing. And here to talk to us today about everything that's going on in the sports card realm is my good friend. You heard his son on Friday's program talking UFC. Now you get to hear dad. I'm not going to say the old man because this is, I'm an old man <laughs> right here. So it is the host of that sports card show podcast. You got to listen to it today on Apple Podcasts and over a gazillion different podcast outlets. It is a great man indeed. It is Vince Atulo. Welcome back, Vince, and appreciate you coming back to our program. Hello, Gerald. It's good to be with you again. I had a great time when we were on the show, when I was on your show last time, we discussed a bunch of stuff such as non-sport and a bunch of other things. And I'm really looking forward to uh, talking to you again. I'm hoping my MTV cards are getting more valuable as the days go on. Just those rock star cards, those few that I do have, hopefully they're they're gaining momentum and will hopefully garner me a fortune at some point down the line. Like that most recent rookie card for both Larry Bird. I think Dr. J was on it. I know it's not, a, he was in the middle, but he, it's not a, he was not a rookie, but Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, and Dr. J all on one card. I've actually seen that card physically, not the one in pristine condition, mind you, but I've seen it in various shows during the 1980s when it was substantially less valuable, yeah. per se. It recently, I think, garnered over $100,000 in value now as far as selling on an auction. So I'm just kicking myself in the, in the head when I read that the other day. I was like, oh. But there's still a lot of great basketball cards out there. And it is that time of the season for basketball. But first, we're already knee-deep in the NFL. And I know a lot of people like to collect football cards as the NFL is such still, even to this day, is still a monstrosity with all of its merchandising. Tell us right now, Vince, some of the NFL cards and the football cards in general that you like to focus on or that you advise people to focus on if they're big sports card fans or if they're big football fans in general? Well, right now, the Cleveland Browns have been a surprise. They've actually won their first game. And in the NFL, when you're collecting, it's all about the quarterbacks. When you're talking the hot rookies, it's going to always, if you're going to have a hot rookie class in the NFL, it's always going to be quarterback-based. I mean, sure, there's the, always the exception with uh, maybe a superstar running back, like we had this year with Saquon Barkley. But it's turning into a quarterback-heavy draft this year. And number one on my radar, and maybe it's just because I'm in Ohio, is Baker Mayfield. Exciting quarterback out of Oklahoma. He's led the Browns to their first win. He's come off the bench. He's always been named their starter already. His cards have just about almost doubled in price from where they were at the beginning of the season. And I see him probably going up from there. There's also Josh Allen, Sam Darnold. And yes. those are just a couple of the names that are out there. Because like you said, the quarterbacks are the sexy cards, I'm sure, that gets passed around and gets talked about. Are there any 
maybe autographed or limited edition or limited number cards of those rookies that they're actually pointing towards to? Because as you know, let's say there's a rookie like Saquon Barkley that's out there and he's on five different types of cards. There's usually one or two that people will focus on more if they're really hardcore sports card collectors, just because of the fact that those are the ones that are actually going to rise more in value over the course of time. Yeah, in football, a lot of times you'll see the playoff contenders. That is a set by Panini America. And they're known for having the top draft picks and the most collectible players usually have what's called on card, where they're not signing like a whole sheet of stickers and they're applying the stickers to each individual card. They're actually signing on the card. Most of the time, signing on the card is going to be, it's going to appeal more to collectors and be more valuable in the long term, but not necessarily always. But you were talking about maybe some cards were of a shorter print or maybe more numbered. That's kind of the norm now in almost every set. Almost every set has different kinds of variations, like you'll have the pink variation or you'll have the blue one or the black will be the one of one or the red will be the number to five. So almost every set has these limited, sometimes they're called like refractors or parallels, but almost every set that comes out now has those cards that people chase now and when you get those and it's when you get those low numbered ones and it's these the quarterbacks that everybody's chasing or you know another high profile rookie those are where you're going to really get your value any signed ones that they need to be aware of are there any ones in particular that have been autographed cuz as you know sometimes these high draft picks are commissioned right off the get go right in April as soon as the draft comes around as soon as they're actually given a team that they yes. go ahead or drafted off. Some of these sports card companies go directly to them and get them to sign autograph cards to make it even more valuable down the road. Yeah, they'll have that. It's called the rookie premiere. They'll get a bunch of those rookies together and they'll have, it's like a big event. They'll have a big event and have all the rookies sign stuff. And a lot of times they'll have them wear these jerseys and they'll be called event worn jerseys. And those will be cut up and little pieces of those jerseys will be included in cards. And this is where they get the rookie patch cards where you have like, a piece of the jersey that the player wore, and it'll be autographed, and, uh, and so on. But yeah, this year's quarterbacks, the the draft this year has been really good for collectors in football. You got Josh Allen, Buffalo, which you mentioned, Josh Rosen in Arizona, which a lot of people say in long term he may be the guy. So then you got also Sam Darnold with the Jets. But two guys who I think are kind of my dark horse picks for collecting. Number one on the dark horse list would be quarterback Lamar Jackson for the Ravens. Now, he's sitting behind Joe Flacco now, but you know he's got talent. He's got the Heisman Trophy, and he's got the legs, and he's got the arm, but it's just a matter of him getting opportunities behind Joe Flacco. And you already see him getting him into the game, working him into the game, getting him plays. So that's a guy that maybe you can buy into now while his cards are a little bit low. And, you know, maybe he has a, a huge upside. I don't know. But number two is a defensive player. And to me, Bradley Chubb for the Broncos, I think he has the potential to be like another Von Miller type. Somebody with a huge upside that's usually collectible. Because in the hobby, a lot of times, the defensive players, they're not as highly collectible as I think they should be. You know, a lot of times they have to be some kind of legendary player before they're really highly collected when they're on the defensive side of the ball. Or they have to have some type of real outgoing personality that really garners them a lot of attention that 
attracts a lot of those individuals that are collecting or in, may be interested in their cars. Right. Like a Michael Strahan or a J.J. Watt, those kind of players. But, yeah, Bradley Chubb, he's from, from the Broncos, drafted. Look out for him. He's another dark horse player I've got from defense. Those are some really just good things to look out for. There's also, like I said, starting up just now, just this week, is the NHL hockey season starting up. We've got a lot of different teams that are out there that are actually going out on the ice and starting to play some games. Are there any type of card sets that you would point towards as far as being ones that hockey fans should look out for? I know we talked a little bit about what was going on in the football realm, but I believe from what I remember and what I've seen over the course of time within the hockey realm, it kind of differs slightly from what is being offered out there for football fans. It kind of differs for hockey fans. Yes, that's absolutely true. And in hockey, it's all about upper deck. You may remember upper deck in the 80s and 90s as being the football and baseball card company. You know, they had the, the famous Ken Griffey Jr. card in the late 80s. It's I, re- kind of I, I remember card. it well. I remember yes. it well. Well, they are the exclusive license holder for the NHL now. So when you're talking NHL cards, it's all about upper deck. And when you're talking about NHL cards, for me, it's the basic upper deck series one. That's the one I think everybody who is a rookie type collector, they want the young guns out of the series one. And then later on in the season, they'll have series two and you'll have the young guns rookies out of that. For the, the average collector who you know, doesn't can't go out and spend you know five six hundred dollars for exclusive box, that's where you can really get into some value when you get those young guns rookies of like say a uh, a Connor McDavid back in 2015, his rookie just base young guns rookie out of Series One, it, it can go for anywhere between three hundred dollars or if let's say you send it in to get graded and it comes back pristine or a 10 it's graded a 10 or something you could get well over a thousand dollars for it that's amazing and there's still a lot of value in hockey cards i think people have a tendency to overlook hockey especially when it comes to the sports card realm and it's good to know that there's just one place for new additions these days that you can go to because there's an exclusive licensing agreement with upper deck and i remember upper deck very fondly like you were saying with that Ken Griffey card and, and the way they yes. had their the the white trim and all the glossy that they had that was pretty much ahead of its time back when I was a serious right. collector. I just cannot believe that over the course of time they have migrated into the hockey realm and now are the exclusive buyer for hockey. That's they the, were the first ones to put that hologram on their cards too. Yeah, I remember distinctly, and I'm actually I, st- I still have a few of those. So that's definitely some great memories there. One last thing I want to talk to you about as far as when the sports that were that are just starting up or are actually underway, I want to talk to you about basketball because that has also changed. I know hoops at the time in the 90s when they really started to get going, they really wanted to make a name for themselves as the premier basketball card. But as you and I both know, times have changed. Fleer, Tops at various points of time have both had their hands in basketball cards your thoughts on the basketball card scene with the NBA now set to start another season come October 16th, if I'm not mistaken. Well, just as Upper Deck is the exclusive licensee from the NHL, Panini America is the exclusive licensee from the NBA. So if you're talking NBA cards, you're talking Panini. Now, certain sets, of course, 
are going to be more popular with collectors than others. Like you were talking about Poops and some of these other sets. Those are actually some of the the lower cost sets right now. And those are good sets if you've got like kids that you want to get into collecting or maybe set builders. They want to build a set, but they don't want to spend a million dollars to do it. Hoops and those kind of cards are great to do it with. Now, for serious collectors, I mean, it's almost endless. They, they have a lot of sets now, but there's one called Prism. And that seems to be the one collectors really want to get all of the refractors, as we were talking about, like the numbered cards and the silver refractors and the red ones. You can really rack up a lot of value with those if you get some, if you get the right players, of course. I'm talking hundreds of dollars right off the bat. I mean, before they even finish their first season, you, their rookie cards are worth five, six hundred dollars. You get the right ones. But yeah, Prism is the one I usually go after. And they're just, they sell them in hobby stores. You can get them online, but they're also a retail product. You can also go to your local Target or Walmart and pick them up there. So it's it's a good value, but people are getting hip to that. So once the Prism are released, it's like a mad rush to all these stores. People drive around and phone around. It's crazy. And they empty all of the shelves off of these products and you can't even hardly find them anymore. I imagine if somebody has a Prism Donovan Mitchell card right now, they'd be very happy because his rookie card which initially was probably didn't have very much of value just as his placement in the draft didn't have really that much of a value as far as in the teens when he was originally drafted. Yeah. Look at him now. He was basically the top rookie last year because Ben Simmons had already been out for a year. And I know there was probably already cards previous for him on that. But at this point in time, the Donovan Mitchell card for last year was looking to be the most valuable as far as from a rookie standpoint. And this year with DeAndre Ayton, Luka Doncic, I know those two are pretty much hot and heavy as far as people very interested in that. Shade Gilgus Alexander for somebody maybe looking for a surprise that in many ways like Donovan Mitchell was last year. And maybe there's others out there like in the 20s, like a Kyle Kuzma card, I'm sure still has some good value on it for prison oh, yeah. as well. Yes. Any last bits of advice for anyone out there either? Yeah, I guess not the pros per se, but anyone out there just thinking about starting up and becoming a collector in something other than baseball cards? Well, a good thing to do is take it slow because there's a lot to learn really with trading cards and sports cards. And it's easy to go spend a bunch of money on something that you probably shouldn't have spent your money on, okay? If you had a little more time to to learn what you were looking for, what you like, maybe what has value and what doesn't, the more you buy and sell and trade, the, the more you learn. And just kind of get your hands in it and just learn what you're doing before you invest a bunch of money. And secondly... Invest in and buy the cards that you like and the players you like and the teams you like. I mean, don't worry so much about if the value is going to go up or the value is going to go down. If that is like one of your favorite players or your favorite team, your local team, something, or maybe somebody you followed for a long time, maybe somebody went to high school with your dad, I don't know, somebody that maybe you have some kind of connection to, then yeah, definitely collect that person and don't worry about what the values is. You know, do it for the fun of it. Now, if you are in it for a while and you kind of get used to it and you, you see what's going on with the values and, and, and whatnot, then, uh, then yeah, you can maybe put a little more money into it and maybe gamble a little bit, get into a couple breaks and you know, you never know. You might like it. I certainly do. Vince, one last question I got to hit you up with. Why is that sports card show podcast 
the place to go to listen to some great ideas, great concepts, and the place to go if you're a sports card collector. Well, I like to think that we have the most interesting conversations. Our show may be a little light on the sports card news and what the latest reviews on what what the latest products are coming out or what company's doing this or who's doing that. But I like to think we have some of the best guests and some of the best conversations around. So that's where I hang my hat. And that's, that's the kind of podcast I enjoy. And that's the kind of podcast I enjoy putting out and, you know, that I enjoy even listening to. So that's where we're at. And we're having a good time doing it. Well, your producer, AKA your son also said the same thing about your awesome show and people definitely need to catch it today on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and that's the case. There's going to be a dozen other podcast outlets that people can get the show on. It is That Sports Card Show podcast. Vince, it's always great to talk to you when it comes to sports card and collectibles as a whole, and you and your son are welcome to come back anytime and talk sports, collectibles, or anything you want to talk about when it comes to pop culture. Thanks, Gerald. It's, It's been a real blast, and I can't wait to talk to you again. Absolutely. As well, my friend, just can't wait to talk to you again about everything good that's out there in pop culture. Appreciate you being part of the show and, of course, a part of the pop culture cosmos. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. And we're back to close out the show. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. It's Gerald once again coming right back at you here. Thanks so much to Tyler Baker from the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast. As always, check out full episodes of his show every week right here on our Pop Culture Cosmos channel on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and any other podcast catcher out there. And then also Vince Atulo from That Sports Card Show. Check out his podcast available today at Apple Podcasts. Cannot thank them both enough for appearing on the show today. If you'd like a listing of where we're at as far as the radio stations we're being played on or some of the podcast networks that we're on, check our listings out today, Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook, because we're being played worldwide seven days a week on various radio stations around the world, and we truly appreciate everyone that gets a chance to listen to our program. Another great program is Topicocalypse, my friend, part of Humanica Media. So, Josh... What's the latest and greatest with your great experience known as Humanica Media? You know, it's weird. I actually, when I was editing an episode today and putting it up online, it was the first time I ever listened to the podcast and been like, hey, you know, it's actually not half bad. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, man, usually it's it to, to me, at least it's, it's like a garbage truck on fire. But this time it was actually pretty good. We did an episode about burnout and how you know when you've hit the wall. And that's kind of something that I think we can all relate to pretty well, especially if you're one of us who stays up all night podcasting. So there's that. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's up on Podbean right now. You can check it out on podbeanpodcast.com, Google Play, Stitcher, and all the, the usual suspects. It's also got a, a brief 
Travis from True Die stopped by to uh, pick up a green screen, and we just happen to be recording. So he gives us a little info on what he's working on with our our buddy Chad Smith of Hyper Schmidt. I guess they got some some cool stuff coming out. So definitely check it out, and also check out their social media because on Hyper Schmidt on Facebook, I know he's been putting out some new stuff, new songs that you need to listen to as soon as you can. Josh, I know there was an article that hit you hard over the past week that I'd really like you to share more thoughts on. Everybody needs to go to, when they get a chance, pitchfork.com and search for Reckoning with Pine Grove because it deals not only with an indie culture, but also some of the major topics that are part of our world and culture right now, whether it's political, whether it's it's just part of our basic culture. It's a lot of of serious stuff that they're talking about that relates to this article. Okay, I'm, I'll, I'll give a brief rundown of the article, but then I want to hear your thoughts first because I don't want to end up arguing with myself, which <laughs> usually happens. <laughs> the lead singer of, of Pine Grove, they're an indie band who kind of mixes, I'd say, folk music with kind of a little, little slight rock sound to it. They took a year off of music and no one understood why, and it turned out that it was because the lead singer, a girl accused him of saying that he was like sexually aggressive with her or something and then she went and told someone and then this lady involved in like a punk rock therapy organization got involved and like turned it into this whole thing with the me too movement and then she decided to say that she wanted well we'll get into this in a minute but basically she escalated the situation and then it turns out that it wasn't really a situation dude it's super confusing because i i really need to know <laughs> what you think of it because i I'm still trying to process it. I have my thoughts on it, but I just need to know a, a second perspective before I put it out there. And that's the problem. When you read the article, it makes you think about where is that gray line? Where is that thin line at as far as too much, not enough? Does it go overboard? Where in that line do do individuals, where, where do they overstep their bounds? There's different interpretations of it. But... In the Me Too movement, and as a father of two daughters who tries to go ahead and and encourage them to do the right thing always, it's just that where did that person draw the line about what they thought was appropriate and what they thought was inappropriate? And as you read the article, like you said, you sound still a little bit confused and perplexed about the whole situation going on. It's just a matter of, and I know a lot of times it becomes a situation where it's he said versus she said, and boy, have we had a past couple of weeks where it's been that issue in our politics and in our lives. And I know the show, we try to deviate for the most part away from the politics, but this Me Too movement is affecting every part of our realm. It does get into our pop culture. It does get into everything that we're doing because we've seen so many movie executives, television executives, they have these old ways of thinking and they have these old ways of acting, which are now inappropriate for 2018. And unfortunately, those paths come to haunt them. And they should have realized in the first place that those things are not appropriate for the workplace. But when it gets back to what you were talking about with that article and the lead singer, if he still has a hard time understanding what went on and what he did wrong, even after a year of therapy, there, I mean, it just needs to be kind of like a sit down with, with with these individuals involved as far as maybe from one standpoint and the other and to hear both sides clearly so we can understand fully the nature of 
what was deemed inappropriate and when it was deemed inappropriate by that individual that's making the accusation so that we can go forward and avoid those situations in the future. Because I think, especially from a male standpoint, we're not sure exactly where the line is drawn as far as inappropriate behavior. And that's where we need to focus on as a society is to understand better when no means no and what is appropriate for the workplace, what is appropriate for outside the workplace as well. Right. Well, it's this whole system now of attack first and then dialogue later. Like, you remember that whole thing with Henry Cavill? This was, I want to say, a couple months ago when he he went on and he said, like, on in an interview, I think, I want to say with Variety, when they asked him, like, about his dating life now, and he goes, I'm kind of afraid to talk to women right now because everything's kind of seen as sexual harassment. It was a completely genuine statement. Like, he wasn't trying to be, like, a, a jerk or anything. And then Twitter and kind of tore him apart instead of, like, I think sometimes we just need to ask like why we feel that that way. And maybe if that's the image coming across, we, we need to talk instead of like looking for relevance and looking for an opportunity to jump down each other's throats. But with the Pine Grove thing, it was weird to me because when you get down to the end of the article, both parties involved admitted that there was no sexual coercion into anything. It was just the girl just felt like he pressured her to break up with her boyfriend to be in a relationship with him. And that's just high school stuff, you know, and not that they're in high school, but that's that's life, you know, that's drama. That's what stuff you see on the CW. And it sounds like the therapist lady sounded like she just wanted relevance. So she was the third party and she was escalating everything. And you even see that quote in there when she's like, you'll have to forgive me. I'm kind of tired from trying to take down one of the biggest bands in the indie scene right now. So it sounded like more than anything, she wanted relevance when this whole thing could have just been handled off to the side between these two individuals. What really got me was the part where the the lead singer is quoted talking to his mom and he goes, he writes this, this big old thing and he knows like he's he's going to go on a hiatus and go to therapy and try to like, because that's what the fans wanted of him. And that's like that, that to me is is awesome. Good for him. But like I, the mom was asking if he was sure he had to do this and he goes, this is what they want for me. And I want to, you know, I want to show them that I, I care about these issues. So he did it. And that really spoke to me. So I just hate now that now that they're back and they're they put this album out there, there's other bands on the label are trying to get them kicked off the label. And you have all these people who like they don't I don't think they have anything against him as a human being. They want to be relevant, you know, and this whole hashtag me too movement, like stuff like this ruins it for the people who actually do have bad experiences, who actually do want to start a conversation. It's not just like one of these petty little he said, she said things. It's that you have legitimate like horror stories and stuff like this lessens the impact so we we jump on the relevance train we want to notice on social media and stuff like that the me too movement was started because there were serious problems happening it's not just people searching for likes or clicks or comments on facebook it's something that was meant to genuinely bring awareness and stuff like this situation with pine grove like it waters it down so if you guys want to know who we're talking about, Pine Grove, they have their new album is out now. It's called Skylight. You can check it out on their Bandcamp page. And then for the article, that's on, again, pitchfork.com. Just got to check out the article, which is entitled Reckoning with Pine Grove. That's Reckoning with Pine Grove at pitchfork.com. Check that out. And all proceeds from, if you uh, go on their Bandcamp page, pinegrove.bandcamp.com and purchase their new album, Skylight, all proceeds go to... Uh, the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention and the Voting Rights Project. Check that out if that's something you're interested in. Like I said, I think they're 
talented musicians. It's just kind of a shame that this whole situation had to happen. So you guys can make up your own minds about it. Any last thoughts on the way out, my friend? Yeah, actually, I'm playing Forza Horizon 4 right now, and I'm going to have a, a review popped up here soon and also in audio format. But dang, dude, game is absolutely beautiful. It's overwhelming, but it's a very beautiful game. It wouldn't be a car racing game if it didn't look beautiful, man, because car racing games are supposed to go ahead and maximize out whatever the consoles do. And if it doesn't, it's probably not a good racing game. Right. But the whole thing with like rumor, everyone going, oh, Playground Games is uh, allegedly making Fable. It's going to suck. No, you look at the open world on this game. And I think our favorite chicken kicking warrior is is in good hands here. Stole my thunder with that chicken kicking comment because <laughs> I had it all lined up and ready. But hey, that's OK. As long as those chickens avoid the 200 mile an hour Porsches going right by in that new open world of Fable coming up. Dude, they won't let you run over animals in this game. I've tried. (laughs) Enough said. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day right here in the pop culture cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day. What is the Geekly Oddcast? It's a panel show of television. I mean, seriously, where else was I supposed to go and watch Gomez Adams ride a rocket ship on a railroad track? Gaming. And the dice say... 17. Oh my god, 17 is Mystic Quest. And whatever comes to mind. Why does Zod need a starship? Alternating Thursdays on the Geekly Oddcast. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.